Who are you wearing tonight? Louis Vuitton. I already knew, but I asked anyway. I know. You've got it. It is. And me too. I, I know. And this is gorgeous, though. This, this is, is gorgeous. gorgeous. So who are we wearing tonight? I'm wearing Berluti. Uh, I went matte black everything. Yeah. Kept it simple. It is the inevitable question for anyone walking or watching the celebrity red carpet. Who are you wearing? And even if you think you don't care, fashion is hard to escape. Who are we wearing? We're wearing Ralph Lauren. Oh, my God. Yes. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. Who you wear, or for the rest of us mortals, what we wear, whether it's Gucci or The Gap, can be about more than just the clothes on our bodies. Fashion is often about who we are. It's about ideas, identity, culture. For some of those who cover and create fashion, it can be a way to challenge and change the culture in ways that resonate far beyond the red carpet and the runway. I think we've witnessed fashion sort of evolve to a place that's more purposeful. Kenya Hunt is the new editor-in-chief of the UK edition of Elle, which includes the magazine and other media offerings. She's the first black woman in that role. Fashion is an industry that has a very long way to go, admittedly, when it comes to conversations around um, sustainability and an inclusion and, uh, and a whole host of things. But that said, I do think we're in a space, we're in a moment and and time and in, in history that requires us to be much more honest um, and expansive in the way that we look at fashion and beauty and to look at it against the backdrop of um, value systems um, and identity. Like, I, th- I don't think we can necessarily, I don't think we can solely look at clothing in a bubble. Consider this. Fashion is always changing. But more and more, that change is about much more than the length of a hemline or the newest color trend. What happens when key players in the fashion world challenge the status quo, pushing to redefine everything from stereotypes about beauty to fusty ideas about what women should want to wear? That's coming up. From NPR, I'm Michelle Martin. It is Saturday, September 10th. When this edition of Elle, the British edition of Elle, launched in 1985, its founding editor, editor Sally Brampton, talked about how she felt like the, that generation of women were kind of fumbling their way towards the future. And I think that's very much kind of how we are now, where we're just trying to reimagine what our future looks like because things are ever changing. I spoke with Kenya Hunt earlier this month. She's the first black editor-in-chief of LUK. And when we spoke, she shared her vision for how fashion can reflect and influence the world at large and how she used her inaugural issue to make a statement on how the culture of fashion is evolving. LUK's September issue featured Lizzo on the cover. That's the pop superstar known for chart-topping hits and for breaking ground for larger-sized women in fashion and culture. Hunt shared the inspiration behind the September magazine. I'll never forget watching a show that used to air called Style with Elsa Clench, and she was interviewing the editor of Elle at the time about her choice to put a Black model on the cover. Um, And this was Naomi Campbell, and she, you know, questioned her and asked her, you know, um, about her feelings um, about making this bold and courageous decision to put this this woman of color in the cover. And, you know, her reply was quite, you know, simple. She just thought she was, she didn't think it was this courageous move at all. She just thought it was, you know, that she was the woman who reflected uh, 
the moment. And, you know, uh, she just felt she was the best woman for the cover. And so I think that uh, resonated me with me and it never left me. So even now, just, you know, having this role as editor in chief, I often think about that. And uh, having Liz on the cover for September, it was, you know, it was such, it was thrilling for so many reasons, but also I was quite tickled because the fact that she was a black woman was not the headline uh, because we've evolved. While this issue is Hunt's first to carry out her vision as editor-in-chief, she says she is only just beginning to tackle some of the things that she thinks are important. And she says there's more work to be done. We all know that the history of women's magazines has been very insular and exclusive and the opposite of, uh, the opposite of inclusive. You know, women who, uh, there's that sense of there being historically a very, very narrow standard of beauty. And I've just been, you know, I'm excited to open that up and to, to really sort of look at the, the expansiveness of what womanhood looks like. And I thought Lizzo was a really great starting point for that. Coming up, a fashion pioneer who created a style revolution and revolutionary ways of doing business. I, I didn't understand fashion shows or anything like that, or that's or how people in fashion started. I, you know, I just had this idea that I'd been carrying the idea that I'd worn a uniform as a kid and uh, the simplicity of that. So I wanted something. I wanted the ease of, of a uniform. That's Eileen Fisher. And if you know fashion, you know her name and the company that has carried her name since 1984. Fisher upended not only the style rules then in vogue when she got started, big shoulders, big earrings, big hair, for a pared-down simplicity she adheres to to this day, she also upended the business models, which seems stickier. She was an early adopter of sustainability as a guiding principle, adopting minimal waste technologies, urging customers to send their clothes back so they could be reused and remodeled, and she sold a portion of her business to her employees years ago so they could share in the prosperity and challenges challenges of the business. Now she says she's ready for a new chapter and is stepping down as CEO of Eileen Fisher, although she says she will remain involved with design. I asked her how she came to decide to do things differently. Turns out she didn't always want to be a designer. You probably heard I wanted to be a math major. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I, I almost flunked out of school my first semester, though, because I couldn't quite manage calculus. But I do think of I think of myself as a problem solver. I, I love thinking about fixing problems. And I have a philosophy ever since the beginning of like, when there's a problem, you know, dive into it. The secret to our next success is in the middle of that problem. You know, though, though I think maybe people forget this now, but, you know, you launched your brand in 1984. I mean, if people yeah. remember 80s fashion. Right. <laughs> I mean, 80s was all about big, like big right. earrings, big hair, loud right. colors, puffy sleeves, big shoulders. So you were very much going against the grain with your idea of pieces that could be worn over and over, pieces that all worked together. You right. know what I mean? And I'm just sort of totally. wondering, did you ever feel like, I don't know, like, uh, I'm just I'm just kind of wondering when you first presented these pieces to the public and yeah. especially to investors, you know, what uh, did they say? Well, I didn't really present the things to investors. So, uh, oh, except, no, I, actually I didn't. But the first time I presented was at the boutique show. And um, basically, you know, a few people at first were very intrigued and liked it and, you know, bought some things that, you know, and I, I guess I wasn't, I knew that I was doing something different, um, but I didn't, 
I don't, I, I was just kind of in my own world, I think, actually. I don't know that I was comparing myself or that kind of thing. I was just doing what I wanted. I, I'm just so intrigued by how you've been able to kind of do what you wanted all this time when so many people in your industry have gone in a completely different direction. For example, continuing to stay privately held. I mean, you own the majority of the company, but 40% of it is owned by your employees. Many big fashion houses have long since gone public. Some of them have had some fairly unhappy experiences with doing that. Um, You and sustainability, for example, I mean, you were among the very first to offer an opportunity for people to uh, return clothing, um, turn it into something else. You you had your green Eileen stores where people could bring their clothing back, buy gently used pieces, and you've had a sustainability program really for pretty much longer than anybody I can think of other than thrift stores. So I'm just curious, is it that what has allowed you to continue to march to the beat of your own drum, I guess I would say? Yeah, I don't know if it's the only drum I know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think that um, I think that there was good response to what I did, and so I felt like I was sort of following this vision or these pictures that I would see, or these ideas, or you know, certain ideas would come up and they would resonate with me or others, and it, you know, so that's just what I followed and what we followed, and it it seemed to work. I think because it worked. Um, and people wanted more of it, that's what sort of drove me forward. I mean, other fashion houses and other people in fashion have certainly followed you into the idea of recycling the clothing right. or offering take-back programs, but they haven't followed you in some other areas, like, for example, giving your employees a stake in the business. Ah, and I'm just wondering right. why that is. Yeah, that's a good question. Um well, I don't know. That should be the next thing they do. <laughs> well, maybe if they don't own it, they don't have that opportunity to do that. You know, if they've sold, had to sell. Like, I think I was lucky in that I was profitable all the way through. And so I was in a position to not have to, I hate to say, sell out. Um, and Or that I that I grew in at a, a like a comfortable enough pace. I and mean, it was fast at certain times, but it wasn't. I didn't need to overnight open 20, 30, 40 stores. I did it very organically. So I think that's how it worked. But I like your question because I think it's an important one about why are they not following in the ESOP idea or even profit sharing? Um, I, I actually think that it should be required. Honestly, I do. I think that businesses have to share profits or um, share ownership with employees. I still keep going back to all of your innovations in not in every at every level of the business and the employee ownership piece, but also using solar panels at your distribution center in the 1990s, working to offset your carbon emissions in the mid 2000s. I mean, committing to fair labor practices in the 2010s. I mean, these are things that are commonly discussed now, even if they're not acted upon, but you were doing it before most people were even talking about it. And I just wondered, did you ever get scared? <laughs> did you ever think, I don't know, what am I doing? No, Is this- no, no, no. That, all of that work gives meaning and purpose to everything we're doing. I think it makes people care and feel what they're doing here is meaningful you know, you can sometimes you can think clothes are just clothes and it's superficial and blah blah blah. You know, and it's not meaningful. Um, 
but actually I think the the way we make the clothes, the, the, what we care about and, you know, um, everything from the raw, the farm level, the, the raw materials, the dye houses, everything we try hard to make it always to make it better. And I think, uh, I think this idea of giving meaning to the work, um, you know, I think it, I think that the the employees really feel that they partly own it, but they 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 own their share of the business, but they also own, own the meaning of the work. And 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 I think that idea of really working to change the system internally is is something that just intrigues me, and and I think is important and different about what what we've done. What what are some of the things that concern you most about the fashion industry right now, about the way it it, it operates? Oh, well, you know, I, I think the first thing I would say is we, and I include myself, make too much of the wrong stuff. If we're making products that don't endure, you know, then, or that, you know, that don't, aren't quality made and people, we have to make things they love. So they want to keep it for three years or 20 years, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So I think the first thing is, is exactly that too much, too much of the wrong stuff. Um, the other thing is, I think there's so much creativity in the fashion industry. We're so innovative, and you know, if we can direct that, you know, that innovation towards sustainability, I, I think that'll that'll serve us well. And I, I, I hope that we can do more of that. That was Eileen Fisher. She is stepping down as CEO of the company that she founded in 1984. It's Consider This from NPR. I'm Michelle Martin.